This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. With me on the phone to begin our program is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, how are things in Fort Smith right now? Well, they're starting to get hot, which I guess since it was the first day of summer a few days ago, I think that, I guess that's normal. But yep. uh, I'm going to stay inside. So, all right. Well, let's. We've got. A, we're going to talk about things connected to money a little bit this week, including the latest uh, addition to the tab to Crawford County for defending a lawsuit that's uh, revolving around books. Tell us more. Yeah, just. Um, I, I guess it's. <laughs> It's a, it, it, this shows that it can be expensive when you start injecting religious beliefs into public bodies, which I think the, there was a First Amendment to the Constitution, something about that. Maybe I'm just I, maybe I just dreamed the First Amendment exists. But um, yeah, so the Crawford County Quorum Court recently approved another sixty thousand dollar appropriation for really what they anticipated legal costs. They are. Facing two lawsuits, um, one is to challenge, you know, this goes back to last year, late last year when um, some folks led by uh, Tammy Hamby and her husband, uh, Dr. Hamby, um, pushed back against what was an LGBTQ display at the Crawford County Public Library. Um, And Tammy was also able to convince the county judge Keith to put her on, uh, Chris Keith to put her on the board, and now she's chairman of the Crawford County Library Board system. But so they they they're facing a lawsuit over that decision to ban and relocate books. They're also part of this um, larger lawsuit filed uh, in federal court uh, against Crawford County officials, state prosecuting attorneys. It's part of an act to overturn. Uh, Act 372, which is legislation that uh, that's primarily, again, another measure to allow books and public libraries to be banned or relocated. There's some criminal penalties associated with it, but um, so Crawford County, uh, because Crawford County kind of jumped out and did some of this, what Act 372 required uh, is part of that lawsuit also. So They've already spent um, uh, almost sixty thousand, almost seventy thousand so far. Um, and if they spend this sixty thousand, it'll be just under one hundred thirty thousand that the court spent just a few move a few books around that a, that a very small group of folks thought objectionable. The one thing that I've been reminded by some of our readers at Talk Business, they will send an email or text or whatever and say. You know, just a reminder that um, uh, gay marriage, marriage rights, it's it's not illegal Mm -hmm. to to be gay in this country, yet books about that somehow are being um, pushed, you know, banned or um, relocated to areas where uh, you can't get to them without parental guidance or whatever. So this is just going to continue to add up. Gentry Walmeyer is the attorney who is representing Crawford County. Uh, he's the one that I think made the $60,000 request. Uh, ironically, he also was the uh, – back when they 
took this when the Crawford County Public Library Board took the action they, that, they, that they did to move and ban books, he advised them not to. Hmm. Uh, you're probably going to face a lawsuit. So this, um, I'm sorry, the $60,000 in the previous somewhat closer to $70,000, this comes out of the county budget. Does this affect the library's budget at all? Not yet. So far, the decision this week by the Crawford County Corn Court was just to pull it from the general fund budget. Um, but look, you know, Kyle, the lawsuits, um, who knows what the penalties will be in the lawsuits? I don't even want to start. But, um, you know, that could, <laughs> that could be a chunk of change that they get hit with. Um, or maybe the court's force them to reverse their decision. Um, who knows? Uh, but this is not over. The expense is not over. I'll be surprised if the expense for the county is uh, not more, a lot more than 130000 And again, that's just a lot of money to pay hmm. because a small group of folks didn't like a couple of books. Uh, the Fort Smith Public Schools Board of Education is going to allocate a bit of money for a independent third-party investigation, this into the Peak Center, which has flooded at least three times in the past, you know, not too many months. Right, yeah, three times that we know of. And um, before I jump into this, I just I want to remind readers that this Peak Innovation Center is a great facility. It's a great concept, and it's already doing really good things. It's a regional workforce education center that not only benefits students in the public school system, but benefits school uh, students in schools in the region. So we've been advanced, uh, workforce, workforce education, good equipment, um, good curriculum. It's just a good modern workforce education center. So with all that being said, it's even been more of a shame that um, apparently a lot of corners were cut, decisions were made, for example, um, the school district, some school district officials decided early on to not conduct the water analysis for proper drainage, and and that uh, has had an impact, and it'll be interesting to see what the investigation delivers um, into that. But the, the Board of Education did vote for an independent third-party investigation. The board will be the one that decides who does it. And this third-party group will answer only to the board. Now, i got to tell you, Kyle, I was surprised. I would have put money down that somehow the administration, school district administration, Superintendent Terry Morawski and Deputy Superintendent Martin Mayhem and others would have tried to talk um, uh, and use their bulldog attorney, uh, Marshall Nye, to try to talk the board out of this because the documents that I've looked at, um, and I've certainly not looked at all of them, do not paint at all a flattering picture of decisions and indecisions, frankly, from the school district administration uh, during this process. And again, it's a shame because it's a great facility. It should have been, should have had much more attention. Uh, I think primarily the reason they didn't do it right to begin with is they thought it was going to delay the project and cost more money. Uh, but as uh, board member Matt Blaylock has said, it's a lot cheaper to do things uh, the right way than have to come back and re- redo them later. So this will, this will be I don't I don't know when they're going to have it hi- this group hired I don't know who they'll hire or what their timeline is going to be. But 
um, it's uh, hang, buckle up and hang on because uh, I think it, that we're going to learn some very uncomfortable truths. And we've look how we've reported on that. Tina Dale, our reporter, has been a, just a bulldog on this and has reported some pretty uh, damning details already as to what the school district did and didn't do. Um, so we're going to we're going to hear more of it. And we are a little bit more than a week away from the ribbon cutting on the U.S. Marshals Museum along the Arkansas River in Fort Smith. That's great news. We've been following that for some time. Now, if we squint and peer and and things go right, there might be another museum a few years down the road, not too far away. Yeah, this is this is kind of getting this is getting interesting. You know, the Fort Kids Children's Museum. Um, they. Um, Sarah Strom, uh, Pruitt, several other folks. I'm, I shouldn't even mention those two names because I've left other folks out, and I'll, I'll probably have to pay for that. But a lot of really good folks have been pushing for a while now to build this children's museum in Fort Smith. And um, the Westfall family, Robbie Westfall family, primarily Benny Westfall and his sister Robin Clegg, have donated uh, about 5.6 acres along the river uh, and in the spirit of full disclosure, Benny Westfall, he's an owner uh, of Natural State Media, which is the parent company of politics and politics. But the Westfall family has donated this property. It's right next to the Marshalls Museum. In fact, I think they'll share parking lot entrance and that kind of thing. But here's the thing, Kyle. I, I've been living here um, for the most part since 1992. It's a thousand years ago, I realize. But, you know, and been watching the riverfront. And now it's it's uh, at that updated Harry Kelly Park, the State Park, the Marshalls Museum will open soon. The Community School of the Arts will be opening soon. There's this RV complex uh, that that's opening soon. Maybe now the Children's Museum. Um, we're going to screw around and and develop this amazing <laughs> riverfront. If we're not careful, we're just we're going to screw around and have this amazing riverfront uh, that people have talked about for decades. Um, it's fixing to happen. So I know as a journalist, I'm not supposed to get excited about stuff, but I'm kind of excited about the riverfront finally looking like a modern uh, metro riverfront. Yeah, and, you know, more money is being allocated to connect some trail systems there in Fort Smith and the metro. So coming together. Yeah, trail systems. I'm glad you mentioned that. There's a great trail system down there as well. Yeah. All right. Um, that's going to do it for us this week, but I hope Michael Tilly with Talk Business and Politics will do this again next Friday. Well, I, I suspect we'll still be doing news by then. I hope anyway. And then uh, maybe you and I will actually see each other uh, on the first when I come over for the uh, ribbon cutting at the Marshalls Museum. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yep. Maybe, huh? maybe, maybe so. All right. Thank you, Michael. That's saxophonist Mike Pope, and I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. This week on Shades of Jazz, we'll hear more from Mike Pope as well as Dave Stryker, the Yellow Jackets, Bobby Watson, Cassandra Wilson, and much more. Tune in Friday and Saturday right here on KUAF for Shades of Jazz. Shades of Jazz tonight, beginning at 10, and then again tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3 which you can find on your digital radio at KUAF.com or by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. Still to come this hour, the musicians in Shine I Yell 
take inspiration from the Buffalo River. The first thing I did when I moved here is I got a really good map. And I love maps. And that really kind of opened the door for me to start exploring. And then when I met Scott and we started this project, well, we wanted to make it about the Buffalo National River because there's all these characters, all these places, place names that are under-celebrated. We'll learn more about them and their new album in the second half of today's show. Over the past couple of years, we've heard from so many of you that in an uncertain world, listening to NPR and KUAF is familiar, that public radio is a constant, even a comfort. The feeling is mutual. I'm Peter Sagal, host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and I would have lost my mind if it weren't for the ability to make dumb jokes for your entertainment. So please, as a personal favor to me, become a sustaining member of KUAF. Go to supportkuaf.com to join the community now. All you have to do to become a sustaining member of KUAF is go to supportkuaf.com, select a monthly contribution that works for you, fill out the questionnaire, and you're ready to go. Think about some of the ways you spend 5 or even $10 during the month and how in the blink of an eye those things can be gone. Now, think about that 5 or $10 going to support everything you love about KUAF during this month's membership drive, we're coming to you here at the end of our financial year without interrupting regular programming to ask you for your support in helping us raise $50,000 toward KUAF operations, an essential $50,000 as we mark our 50th anniversary serving Northwest Arkansas. You can go online now to support KUAF.com. And when you're there, you see our new limited thank you gifts and you make a contribution right now. Raising the $50,000 this month keeps the international, national, and local programming you love and rely on going strong. And I mentioned a thank you gift. As a thank you for your contribution, you can choose from a pair of thank you gifts this June. One is a reusable tote bag. The other, a reusable water bottle. Both feature our 10-watt wonder logo. Because for the first several years we were on the air, we were just 10 watts. It's all to celebrate our 50th anniversary. These are in limited supply, so become a member of your public radio station, KUAF, and choose a thank you gift from us today right now at supportkuaf.com, and thank you. Walmart Amp presents a fireworks spectacular Tuesday, July 4th. This family-friendly experience features a blend of patriotic and contemporary music by the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas with a grand finale fireworks display. Gates open at 7 p.m., concert at 8 p.m., and fireworks begin at 9.15. Amptickets.com for information. The University of Arkansas at Fort Smith offers students more than a diploma. UAFS offers students a resume. Putting knowledge to work since 1928. UAFS.edu join the pride. This is Ozarks at Large. A sitting Arkansas Supreme Court justice has died. Associate Justice Robin Wynn of Little Rock died yesterday at the age of 70. He had just been reelected to a second eight-year term in November. Before that, Justice Wynn served on the Arkansas Court of Appeals and was a partner at Wynn and Wynn Law Firm. He also worked as a professor at the University of Arkansas Little Rock's Bowen School of Law. In a statement, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders said she was saddened by the justice's death, thanking him for choosing to devote his life to Arkansas and the law. Public health advocates in Arkansas have released a new resource outlining best practices for care during and after pregnancy. The project by the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement includes resources for new and expectant mothers, 
along with statistics ranking Arkansas's performance in a number of health care metrics. The center's president and CEO, Dr. Joe Thompson, says Arkansas ranks dead last in the nation for maternal mortality and third to last for infant deaths. We have about uh, twice as high a rate of maternal mortality as the next developed nation. And unfortunately, our state is twice that. So we really do have poor health statistics when it comes to our mothers. And unfortunately, mothers of, in communities of color have even worse statistics than our Caucasian mothers. Among the resources and recommendations in the online portal, enhanced depression screenings for women after childbirth. Thompson says as of now, that's only a recommendation for health care providers. Frequently, moms don't go back for the postpartum visit. And if they do, they may not be screened for depression, either because the clinician's not aware or insurance doesn't pay. In our last legislative session, uh, Act 562 did pass, and Medicaid is now required to cover the depression screening in moms. Uh, so that was a success. But there are many other things that we need to do in this arena. Dr. Thompson says expanding Medicaid coverage to 12 months postpartum would be one of the best ways to improve maternal health outcomes in Arkansas. As of now, Medicaid coverage is only offered to new mothers 60 days after birth. More information is available online at achi.net. Three members of last year's Arkansas Razorback men's basketball team are a step closer to playing in the NBA after being selected in last night's professional basketball draft. Anthony Black, Nick Smith Jr., and Jordan Walsh were picked by the Orlando Magic, the Charlotte Hornets, and Sacramento Kings, respectively. Walsh was then traded from Sacramento to Boston. Black and Smith were first-round choices. Walsh selected in the second round. First time two Razorback players have been taken in the same first round since 1992. And yes, it's 55 days until the Razorback soccer season begins. Yesterday, the full 2023 schedule was released. Arkansas opens the season in Fayetteville with a match against Arkansas State on Thursday, August 17th. Razorbacks during the season will also face last year's NCAA tournament runner-up, North Carolina. That match will take place in Chapel Hill in September. The schedule includes nine regular season home matches as well as two preseason exhibition matches, including an August 7th exhibition match against Kansas State in Fayetteville. That exhibition against K-State will be the first match played on Razorback Field's new pitch. From May to July, the field undergoing subgrading, installation of a new drainage system, and new sod. It's Friday, June 23rd. With me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Live and in person. It's summer. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> I have dear friends who think summer is fabulous. So we'll go with that. I'm... And I'll go crank the air conditioner okay. down. However, I have, for this week, things that are sort of the road less traveled. And none of them requires getting out and walking in the heat, except one. Okay. The first one is a historic house hunt. This is something the Shiloh Museum is doing. Because, you know, if you think about it, a lot of museums have a historic home attached to them, right? Mm -hmm. As do they. They have two, actually, the log cabin and the Searcy house. Right. So they thought, well, 
why don't we do an historic house hunt? So you can go there and you can pick up your playing card and then you can go to Headquarters House Museum in Fayetteville, also a historic house. Right. The historic Cane Hill Museum, the Prairie Grove Heritage Museum. Do I know where that is? It's on Buchanan Street. It's okay. in an old house. The Rogers Historical Museum, the Eureka Springs Historical Museum, which most people think of as a storefront, but it was a house before that. Okay. And the Tawnytown Historical Museum. Yeah. And once you get your stamps on your card. You get a new house? No. Okay. <laughs> you go back to the Shiloh Museum and you win a prize. But not a house. But I love this. Now, do you, do you have to do this in one weekend? No. Okay. That I like. No, you have the rest of the summer, I think, at least through July. So this is a driving tour. Gotcha. If you get two stamps, you get a prize. If you get all seven stamps, you get entered in the drawing for the grand prize. Okay. If you're in the River Valley, the Fort Smith Public Library is doing a driving around historical Fort Smith scavenger hunt. I am interested. There will be clues in the Sunday's What's Up, okay. which gives you a little bit of a head start because they're not going to start handing the clues out at the library till the 1st of July. All right. So you take your clues... And you go find the places. There are, let's see, there's a church, a cemetery, two parks, a battlefield, a statue, and a historic home. You know what I think would be great? Because I'm all Mr. Kumbaya at times. I think people in the River Valley should come up to the Shiloh Museum and get the Northwest Arkansas Historic House game. And people who live in Northwest Arkansas should go down to Fort Smith and do the scavenger hunt. And I've got a bonus for them. All right. If you get the River Valley Democrat Gazette, mm -hmm. every Sunday, Cat Robinson has a restaurant column in there. Now, I get that, right? That's in my Sunday paper. Yeah. Yeah. So it profiles, Cat knows where every restaurant in Arkansas is. Yeah, she does. And she knows which ones are good. You can go back on our website, look at some of her offerings, okay. and then while you're in the River Valley, you can get food. This one requires, well, this does or does not require some walking. It's up to you. It's called Bella Vista in Bloom, mm -hmm. and it's a yarn bombing. You know, if you know anything about Gina Galena, you've heard the phrase yarn bombing, right? Well, whenever someone says something's yarn bombed, it's like, well, Gina's up to it. Well, this is the second year in Bella Vista Gina is not up to it in this one. Oh. This is volunteers in Bella Vista who have spent from last year to this year adding on to what they did last year. And yarn bombing is when something is completely covered in yarn. No? Well, okay. Okay. The original definition, which comes from Texas, we think, mm -hmm. is it's covering, putting yarn up on a thing. Okay, okay. So a bench, a post, a tree. Sure, right. But, right? but that thing is covered. Not completely. Like I said. But we'll it has yarn on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in this case, the Bella Vista Historical Museum's log cabin, which is also a house attached to their museum, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has like yarn art on the front railings. Okay. And yarn art hanging from the trees. Cool spinner, like spinner okay. things that okay. are hanging from the trees. Bella Vista City Hall. If you're coming from the north and you take the off-ramp where Bella Vista City Hall is, uh -huh. there's a welcome to Bella Vista yarn bombing on Fun. the fence. Okay. 
And if you go to the Bella Vista Public Library, there's a bunch of yarn. You walk down a little path at the side of the library and into the cutest little park area at the back of the library where everything's yarn bombed, flowers and benches. Perfect. And, and they take it all down. God love them. On July 11th, they will take it all down. Uh-huh. They will put it all away. And they'll plan for next year? And they'll plan for next year. All right. So there are, besides the artists, there are the volunteers that take all the pipe cleaners down and take all the pieces of art down and put them away for next year. And then there's summer music at the, or summer movies at the library and summer music at the Fayetteville Public Library on Sunday and opera in the Ozarks is going on in Eureka Springs and Violet is still going on at Theater Squared and the New Play Festival is still going on at Theater Squared and Sylvia is still going on at Arkansas Public Theater and next weekend is the Shakespeare Festival with Arkansas Shakespeare Theater in Fayetteville where they're doing The Tempest and The Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged, which is why I'm talking this way. All right. And you'll be back next week? Oh, yeah. Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. For a year now, the KUAF Lunch Hour has been bringing you the best in local music and local food once a month here at the KUAF studios. Now we're taking it on the road. KUAF is partnering with local McDonald's owner-operators to bring you the KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series. It begins in late July and will include three tiny desk-style concerts that will take place at different McDonald's locations across northwest Arkansas, the River Valley, and the Green Country. These three concerts will lead up to a mini-festival called Lunch All Day in September. Performances are set to include Steph Simon of Fire in Little Africa, country singer Joe West, and artist-designer Tylo May. Get ready for a summer of fun, music, and great food. The KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series, sponsored by McDonald's, begins July 28th. Keep listening to KUAF, your public radio station, for more details. The Symphony of Northwest Arkansas's first-ever album release, New Canons, is available now. One of the compositions included is Trevor New's Cohere One. We spoke with him yesterday, and we'll hear much of that conversation next week on Ozarks at Large. Today, though, we wanted to share a portion of the conversation about how the recording and performance took place. Musicians were not just in Fayetteville for the recording, but around the world. So I was, you know, in person in uh, in Arkansas with, with Sona, and then our uh, remote or virtual, I like to say network participants, because we all have our own spaces, uh, were coming in from, uh, well, New York City and uh, Brooklyn uh, and London, two places in London, uh, Los Angeles, Berlin, Germany, Argentina, Buenos Aires, uh, Kolkata, India, uh, Uganda, uh, and Korea. Kind of gives me goosebumps to think about that, to hear that list. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's quite an experience to, um, also, you know, just taking the sound of the spaces that everybody's in and having that combine into what the piece becomes, because it's going to be different every time. And sometimes it's the middle of the night <laughs> or it's the middle of the day for everybody uh, who's participating. For a listener who you know didn't see it performed live or comes to it perhaps not knowing how this all worked, it still works, though. And that that's important, right? I mean, to not have necessarily the backstory, but still hear the piece and be moved. 
Right. That was, I mean, that was one of those things uh, in exploring the, the different approaches um, to do something like this. I mean, a, a big question too is, you know, why, why do this versus just play the, the way we've, we've usually play and, and, you know, kind of creating these connections and what happens uh, when we do that musically, I was I was really surprised. There's a thing that happens with that because the the space changes. So that that sort of uh, discovery was was really cool. And then, you know, to your point, it it needs to be uh, it's not a, a, a gimmick, really. It's as, not novelty. As it goes. Right. Yeah. As that goes. And it, it uh, that that was also a, a nice surprise that that it's like, oh, we can we can recreate parts of this. And just like with any live performance, it will be different. And um, yeah, it, it, it it's uh it's a really exhilarating thing as it is somewhat challenging sometimes. I feel like I'm getting much better at it and much more comfortable, <laughs> of course. Trevor New speaking with me yesterday on Zoom from New York. His composition, Cohere One, is part of Sona's first album, New Canons. We'll share much more from the conversation next week on Ozarks at Large. And there's more music ahead on today's show. Shine I Yell has a new album of original tunes inspired by the Buffalo National River. Conversation and samples from the record in about four minutes. Shiloh Museum of Ozark History hosts Silk Road Presents, Train Station Trios, Songs and Stories of the American Railroad. That will take place Saturday, July 1st at 3 p.m. The program is part of Silk Road's multi-year American Railroad project, an initiative that illuminates the impact that immigrant communities had on the creation of the U.S. Transcontinental Railroad and Connecting Railways in North America. Tickets are available at shilohmuseum.org. The Momentary in Benville presents Grammy Award-winning alternative country rock band Wilco, Friday, October 27th, live and in-person, outdoors on the Momentary Green. This concert is part of the Momentary's Live on the Green concert series. Wilco tickets are on sale now at themomentary.org. The Folk School of Fayetteville will help you up your banjo game. The school is enlisting Adams Collins to lead a four-week banjo workshop that will begin Wednesday. However, take note, there are just three spots left in this workshop. The school is also hosting a two-hour session Sunday afternoon. It's about making your event a low-waste event. It will be led by Bernice Hembry, the Fayetteville Roots Festival Sustainability Leader, and Heather Elsey, City of Fayetteville Sustainability Educator. And the discussion will cover methods to make events less wasteful, more eco-friendly. You can learn more about the Banjo Workshop and Sunday afternoon's low-waste session at folkschooloffayetteville.org. The Arkansas Trucking Championship is underway at the Rogers Convention Center. The annual celebration of safe driving and technical know-how includes tech competitions today and then the driver's skill contest begins tomorrow morning. The city of Fort Smith will screen the next free movie in the park tonight at dusk. This week's selection, Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Additional movies are scheduled for July 7th at Tillis Park and then again July 17th at Creekmore Park. All of those screenings are free. 
The Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival is returning in July. The 12-day affair packs plenty into its schedule with music taking place on Mount Sequoia in the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks, in the Fayetteville Public Library, at the Ozark Mountain Smokehouse, plus there will be a performance at the new Steinway Piano Gallery in Fayetteville and inside the Medium in Springdale. The music will begin with a chamber music jam session on Mount Sequoia Monday, July 17th. The festival concludes on July 29th with a musical celebration of community again at Mount Sequoia. Some of the concerts are free. Others require tickets. You can find a schedule and much more information at chambermusiconthemountain.org. The VA Medical Center in Fayetteville hosting a job fair tomorrow from 10 until 2. That's going to be in Building 21 on the VA Medical Campus. They'll be hiring medical clerks and advanced medical clerks. Sunday, the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum provides guided tours of each of the five galleries at the Ram. The tours begin Sunday afternoon at 2. They're free. They require no registration. Just show up. Plus, Pride Weekend taking place all over Fayetteville this weekend, including events at our Carver Center for Public Radio tomorrow. A full schedule can be found at nwapride.org. And the final weekend of the Arkansas New Play Festival is taking place at Theater Squared through Sunday. And, of course, farmers' markets in full bloom around the region. As a kid, Roseanne Cash once asked her babysitter how to write songs. Uh, You know, like, how do you put poetry to uh, music? I thought to myself, why was I asking her? (laughs) I had a better authority in my own house. Singer-songwriter Roseanne Cash. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. The TED Radio Hour, Sunday afternoon at 1 on 91.3 KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. A new album, Buffalo National River Songs Volume 1, celebrates not just the river, but the people who live and have lived along it. There are songs about legendary figures, ginseng, and the overall mood of places like Snowball, Mount Sherman, and Gilbert. Caleb Sanislaw wrote the songs, takes lead vocals, and plays guitar and bass. Scott Hoffman produced the record at his Harrison studio, provided backing vocals, drums, moog synth, and percussion. This week, I talked with Caleb and Scott via Zoom. Caleb had driven up from his home in Tomahawk to join Scott at the Harrison studio. I asked them about the wide-ranging sounds and atmospheres of the record. Blues, strings, folk, and more. You know, we discussed when we... There was only one song written when we started the project, so it was right in the studio kind of thing. And, um, you know, I said, the thing that I don't like about a lot of modern music is you get an album like, okay, there's the drum sound that they used on all the songs. There's the guitar sounds. And I was like, you know, my favorite producer, George Martin, never did that. He produced to the song. And so um, that's what I told Caleb. I was like, this is the approach I would like to take. Caleb, what was that like? than having, you know, some in-the-studio suggestion and direction? Well, truthfully, um, working with Scott is the first time I'd ever worked with a real producer that uh, had a vision that we were working, you know, he had a he had an idea of the way the song should sound uh, when it was completed. That maybe wasn't what I was envisioning but uh you know i think the more we work together the more we're we're able to trust each other and so scott will come in and be like hey we got to change the key of this or you need to play this way faster or way slower play less yeah yeah just strum it nice Mm -hmm. and easy you know um so he gives a lot of little 
it's a a good song is a lot of small parts put together into a whole and a lot of times those small parts are really simple so we got the ginseng blues you know and it's got that breakdown near the end of it so thick and golden seal you don't have to buy what you don't have to steal yeah living off the land like a native son stumble on down you know it's a straight up blues song through the whole thing i said you know what would be cool is it just totally makes a left turn and we we bring in a string orchestra for just that middle part and then go back to the blues thing and so he's like okay let's try it so it worked it worked it sounded really cool too let me ask you, Caleb, about um, the ballad of Lizzie Briscoe. I had not heard of Lizzie Briscoe before I listened to this album, but she's like a legend there. She must be. I mean, as many children as she helped deliver. Indeed. Um, and Lizzie Briscoe did deliver over a thousand babies in her lifetime. Come to find out, there are other midwives that um, did the same thing out here in rural Arkansas that, you know, Keep in mind, back then, there was little to no access to doctors or couldn't travel. And these Lizzie Briscoe would uh, I just I have this uh, uh, imaginary picture of her, you know, riding through the night and driving rain on a horse trying to go deliver a baby. passion to be that person you know so that's where that song came from scott i have to tell you when i first started listening the very first couple of seconds here's a name that came to me al delory who was the producer on wichita lineman and a lot of glenn campbell's you know songs in that era and there was something about the production of that song that took me back to that sort of Beautiful, lush production. This road leads so far from home. I know. You know, we owe a lot to Tim Crouch, who played the uh, strings on that song. Uh, he he really, his special sauce on there helped it get to that level, Wichita lineman level. I mean. Yeah, I told him I, when I sent him um, this road, I said, envision a string part that was, you know, recorded at Studio A, Nashville, with Chet Atkins at the helm. And that string sound, the Nashville string sound, you know, that it was so distinctive to that, that early to mid seventies. That's exactly what we were going for. I, I used that. I think I used Andy Williams and we did reference Wichita lineman a couple times. Caleb, you grew up in Texas. Your family's in Texas roots. Scott, you've lived in, in the Ozarks for a while. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering, um, you know, how it came together because these songs are about the Buffalo river area, places like snowball, which most human beings let alone haven't heard of, but haven't been to. 
Did you have conversations about the Ozarks and, and what it means to write songs about the region? Well, as soon as I moved here, I the first thing I did when I moved here is I got a really good map. And I love maps. And that really kind of opened the door for me to start exploring. And then when I met Scott and we started this project, well, we wanted to make it about the Buffalo National River because there's all these characters, all these places, place names that are under-celebrated. Um, and from a writer's perspective, I love to write. I love to write music. It's, it's really special to have something like the Buffalo National River and the history and the people around there to write about. And there's just so much fodder there. And we're using... Uh, books reference you know we're reading stories and and uh you know i'll have a song idea and he he's like hey what if what if that was a you know civil war song mm -hmm. or and it, we just kind of the back and forth is what's fueling the uh the songwriting and used a lot of uh, periodicals from the uh, boone county historical museum uh, i subscribed to that and so and a, my interest in that too is a lot of this area my wife's family homesteaded mm. so there's a lot of family connection through her with that so and I, I i studied boone county history and the buffalo river history and uh was good friends with john paul hammersmith when he was around and know a lot of his history so caleb who is bigfoot of snowball there was a real gentleman named buster um and he uh, had really big feet. His shoes are in the Marshall uh, Museum at the library. He had size 42 shoes. And he was a real guy. And anyways, my neighbor told me this crazy story about this guy who would go around and stomp around in the mud and then hide in the woods. And, and then his friend would, you know, they'd find some unwitting campers and point at the tracks and the scare the campers off uh, and then you know um when they uh when the campers ran off they would drink all their beer and eat all their hot dogs and you know so he had this reputation of imitating uh a legendary creature bigfoot it, the, the song itself bigfoot of snowball kind of blends the story of bigfoot with the story of this real man and i, I hope i did him uh uh, write for that, you know. Uh, it's it's just a, it was a neat story. I couldn't not write about it. Said I remember of a hot December. Said it could not rain, it would not snow. River dried up to a few mud holes. Been six long months since the river flowed down in the mud. What did I see? But a big old footprint, size 23. Could not believe my sober eyes. I swear that footprint was two hands wide. Scott, I mean, you're doing a lot here. There's production, there's drums, there's the synth, all kinds of percussion, mm -hmm. bass, uh, backing vocals. As a producer, doing so much, what's the equation you go through to make sure you're doing just the right amount? Yeah, I think it gets back to just producing for the song and not. In fact, we we just came out of the studio a few minutes ago, and we're it's a total departure from the record. But it's like, you know, we're we're adding just enough to showcase the vocal, and that's what I try to do because the story and the vocal that was the important part. I wanted the music inter interesting, and um, so and everything was at my disposal. Like um, I'm trying to remember what song it is. Is it? Um, um, 
one of the songs I, I played drums with a Promark makes these things called broomsticks. There's drumsticks made out of broom corn and they sound cool, but there's not a lot of attack. And so I'm listening to the playback and I go, you know, there's just not a, enough attack on the snare. And I'm looking around. I had two pair of pliers in the control room. So I just opened up a mic and whacked those and layered that on the snare. I'm like, okay, that's all it needed. That's Moonshine, Moonshine Mary. Mary. Yeah. yeah. I also like extra sugar. That was an important moment. Uh, we crafted that song. So we had sugar for my tea, which is kind of a lighthearted moment. Um, and but we we really needed extra sugar to have it we, it has a different time signature it's a musical break we have a lot of lyrics a lot of words a lot of singing on the record so it was nice to have a musical break and it really sets up that the last two songs on the record which uh are two of my favorites why do you, why are they two of your favorites what what attracts you to them connects you to them well broken trestle is another neat uh kind of historically inspired song it was a, about uh, a trestle on the buffalo that um a coal coal car went over and of course it broke and fell in the river you can still find coal in the river to this day actually mm -hmm. down there uh but i had this idea uh, this vision of a a guy standing waiting on that train that never got there and then took that as a you know a literal thing but created a metaphor out of it and, and made it about friendship about about relationships and and hopefully found something universal to share with people and then don treader i think is just a great cap to the record and it, and it hints at what we're going to do next we're going to get a little more rock and roll we want to be a little edgier well in the broken trestle too we we got to the end of the production went you know we don't have a train song on this and you know uh, all this area was railroad and so I pulled out the story about the Missouri North Arkansas Railroad and was telling him, I was like, you know, the initials people used to joke in the in the 1920s that it stood for may never arrive. Yeah. And so we kind of took that theme and, um, and we wrote a song about it. Well, I was waiting on a train. I've been thinking about yesterday and I can't shake it. Maybe there was another way I was stuck outside old St. Joe Yeah, I can't fake it I've been waiting in the rain for so long I've been waiting on a train that just won't come And I don't know why It must be tied up on the line They must have had another bad Caleb Stanislaw and Scott Hoffman talked with me about Shine I Yell's new album, Buffalo National River Songs, 
earlier this week. Caleb is playing tomorrow in Hector as part of Hectorfest, and both will be playing soon together in Yellville. Scott lives in Harrison. Caleb lives in Tomahawk. You can learn much more and find links to the songs at shineyell.com. This is Ozarks at Large. It's the Community Spotlight, and I'm Lee Wood. This morning on the Community Spotlight, we wrap up a week of listening to conversations around Father's Day from the Listening Lab, a space for honest and intimate conversations to help us better understand each other and ourselves. And it's made possible by the Walmart Foundation. This morning, we're listening to Pete and Ryan talking about the differences between mothering and fathering. You know, there's times where I can tell Tara's overwhelmed and I'll try to reach in and do what I can. But at the same time, a baby, in most cases, is going to want her, going to want the mother. You know, I can't nurse. Tara can. You know, I can't, you know, there's like the baby was inside the mother and heard that heartbeat, you know, that heartbeat alone. Even the smell. Even the smell. Like, so there's times where I can't just step in and be like, you need a break. I see it. I try to do what I can. But at the same time. I know that sometimes me trying to do something is going to upset the kid. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to make it worse. So I broke it down for her like this. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm really into astronomy. Couldn't sleep, so I'm up watching YouTube videos about exoplanets and things like that. Something just hit me. I was like, you know what? Riley is our world. Tara's the sun. I'm the moon. The sun is absolutely necessary because without the sun there's no earth but i'm the moon i get my shine from the sun i reflect her light but at the same time we do both shine we both shine i light up her night she lights up the day and then you can even see the moon in the daytime so i'm always there but the sun is vital the sun is critical tears the sun i'm the moon and when i broke it down for her like that she was like Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. You need to make sure you like write that down for me somewhere. And I was just like, and I know you're going to feel overwhelmed when you feel like you're doing everything. And I'm going to try to jump in as much as I can and do everything that I can always. But there's just some times where you're the sun. I'm the moon. Either way, she's our world. Yeah, you do need to write that down. You need <laughs> oh, to write absolutely. that down for me. Yeah. You can hear more conversations recorded in the listening lab and schedule your visit at KUAFListeningLab.com. Monday on Ozarks at Large, Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History comes back to the Carver Center for Public Radio with more archives. This time, the unusual history of an Arkansas County Sheriff who acquired a large amount of influence. You know, it was a a dark time in eastern Arkansas history, and, you know, you, you had to be careful going into St. Francis County. I mean, you know. You had to keep your nose clean. That's on our Monday show, noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. You can also download our free podcast either from KUAF.com or any major podcast distributor. Walmart Amp presents a fireworks spectacular Tuesday, July 4th. This family-friendly experience features a blend of patriotic and contemporary music by the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas with a grand finale fireworks display. Gates open at 7 p.m., concert at 8 p.m., and fireworks begin at 9.15. AmpTickets.com for information.
Opera in the Ozarks presents its 72nd season, June 23rd through July 21st at Inspiration Point in Eureka Springs, featuring 22 performances of three fully staged operas, including Elixir of Love, The Tender Land, and Orpheus in the Underworld, plus a special Broadway cabaret in Fayetteville, and more. Tickets and season schedule at opera.org. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Hackett. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, Courtney Lanning, and Lee Wood. Additional reporting today came from the hardworking news staff at KUAR in Little Rock. Program today put together in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. You can find out much more about us at OzarksAtLarge.com. There you can also listen to complete past episodes of our show or individual stories or interviews. We also provide links so you can listen directly or share stories or interviews you think other people would like to hear. You can share them through email or social media. Also, you can go to KUAF.com to find the latest episodes of all the podcasts produced inside KUAF, including Beloved Community, The R Word, and much more. Just look for the Listen tab at the top of KUAF.com. I'll be with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large, and then we will begin a brand new week of daily shows Monday at noon and 7. Thanks so much for being with us on this Friday. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll end with a bit more music from the album Buffalo National River Songs, Volume 1 from Shine I Yell. I'm Kyle Kellums. Have a great weekend. When I wake up in the morning I feel the warm sunshine on my face I can hear you sleeping in the